Well, hey guys, I just want to welcome you here to Embrace. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses, network churches, whether you're joining us later this week online. We're just excited, honored that you are tuning in to worship with us here today. Just excited about what God has in store for us right now. We are in a series called Ripple Effect. And if you look up Ripple Effect in the dictionary, it is a single action with a greater ongoing result. Again, a single action with a greater ongoing result. I know in my own life, I see ripple effects here and there, uh, but specifically, I see ripple effects when it comes to myself as a parent along with my kids. Uh, In the Weber household, one of my kids will punch another one of my kids, which will make that kid start screaming, and then my wife starts yelling, and then I go and lock myself in the bathroom as quickly as I can in the fetal position, you know? So uh, again, ripple effects take place here and there in our lives, but in this series, we're talking about the simple actions, the simple decisions, the simple steps of faith, which can have a greater ongoing eternal result. Again, we're more than just having a longer ongoing result, an eternal result result. And so in week one of this series, we talked about the simple act of giving. And we talked about taking what we have financially, putting it in the hands of Jesus and watching him multiply it. And we challenged everyone, if if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have a church home, to give something and give it consistently. Give something and give it consistently. And then the single challenge, the specific challenge that we had was to think about signing up for automatic withdrawal. Just a simple way to faithfully and consistently give. So that was week one. We talked about giving. In week two, last week, Travis, our T-Camps pastor, did a great job of talking about going, going. He talked about stepping outside of our comfort zone. He talked about taking the step outside of our, our circle, interacting with different people that are different from us. And the, the ripple effect that that can have. What a powerful message, a powerful this symbol of, of stepping out of what we know to interact with people who are different from us. Last week, we also talked about our partnership in Haiti with Mission Haiti. And, and the challenge was to bring shoes. We need as many shoes as you can. Bring new shoes, used shoes, but not crappy shoes. Uh, we also challenged people to think about going on a missions trip as well to Haiti. So that was one of the challenges. We also talked about four projects that people could give to. Um, For $1,500, people could buy a piece of land. For $1,500, people could put adult Haitians uh, in literacy school where they could learn how to read and write. Well, within the first service, all four of those projects were covered immediately, which is just awesome. So that's fantastic. So that's a place... And then between the services, I went to Travis as quick as I could, and I said, can I mention what I really want to mention? And he gave me the green light. So last time we met with Mission Haiti, we said, what is the next step? Like, what do you need? And they said, well, the, the Embrace School, the Embrace Local is already maxed out. There's kids that are walking three hours to school. What we'd love to do is start another school. There, there's there's a, this, this village called Madame Pierre, uh, which sounds like it's awesome. I, I want to go to that place. It sounds exotic. Uh, but there's a village there that wants a school so badly because there is no opportunity, zero, for an education in this area. There's nothing. And so they wanted it so bad, they, they, wanted, they were willing to donate the land to make a school possible. So last week I said, okay guys, we need 20 grand to be able to build the first four classrooms on this specific piece of land that you're seeing the picture here. And well, I'm excited to say that we have over $20,000 already, which is just incredible. Again, talk about 
Talk about a ripple effect. Last week on the way home, I called Travis and I'm like, how cool is it that we put a, a bunch of kids in school, that we did a literacy program, a trade school, bought a piece of land, and are now, now able to, to green light a school. Just awesome. Again, the ripple effect through these simple actions which have a greater ongoing result. And, and for, for us as a church, a, an ongoing greater eternal result is what we're all about. So now for today, we're going we're gonna to continue on, and I just want to have us look at the, the picture of the early church that we're given in the book of Acts. And so if you have a Bible with you, use the Bible on your phone, use any Bible you want to use, and open up to Acts chapter 2. Just to bring us up to speed, Jesus has re- recently died on the cross. Uh, he, he's risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven, and this new church has started. This brand new church is started, and there's thousands of people that joined it in one day. To give you an idea, this church is larger than Embrace, and it started like 24 hours ago rapid growth. I can't imagine the total chaos of trying to lead that. We're talking thousands of imperfect human beings who just started following Jesus. I think oftentimes we're like, this is the perfect church. For me, I'm like, that had to have been mass chaos. And yet here is what we are told about this early church. This is Acts 2, starting in verse 42. It says this, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Verse 4, a deep, verse 43, I should say, a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonder, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Again, this is the early church that we see. It's an imperfect church, but it's so cool because one of the things that we are told about this new church that has started gathering is that they gathered regularly, and they devoted themselves to fellowship. Again, just one of the things we're told is they gathered regularly and they devoted themselves to fellowship. But what in the world does fellowship mean, right? Like what does that churchy word even mean? If you grew up in the church, maybe you had a fellowship hall in, in your church building growing up. You know, round tables, bad coffee, donuts, grandparents, a broken air hockey table in the corner that hasn't been used in a long, long time. If you're anything like me, the fellowship hall is some of the greatest memories that I had in church. I did not like growing up in church at all, but the fellowship hall was a fantastic part of it. But, but, but this churchy word, fellowship, it actually means something much fuller than we think about. It translates in the Greek to the word koinonia. And this word koinonia literally translates to mean to share, to participate, to contribute. I love that. The early church, they gathered regularly. They gathered regularly, and everyone was active. They, they all participated. They all shared. They all contributed. That's the picture we're given of this early church. Now, at some point as the church, uh, we began to completely miss the, the boat, and we've missed the boat over the thousands of years that we, the church has existed. We've missed the boat a lot of times, um, but specifically when it comes to, to fellowship, the church at some point... It shifted from being a group of people that gathers and contributes to being a group of people that gathers and consumes. It's just a shift that began to happen, and instead of sharing, we take. And instead of participating, we sit back and we watch. Now, to be clear, as, as a guest or maybe someone who's on the fence about God, as a guest, you're not expected to contribute because you are, in fact, a guest. 
today across campuses, if you're at one of the network churches, if you're joining and you're just like, gosh, I'm not even sure if I believe in Jesus. I'm not really sure what I believe about the Bible. Like, I'm just coming because I'm curious. I'm coming to just to find out more. I just want to let you know, you do not need to believe to belong. Like, you don't have to believe the exact same things to belong here. You're our VIPs, okay? And so if you're on the fence about Jesus, gosh, we are honored. I can't believe, I can't even tell you strong enough, we are honored that you are here. Or maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you're trying to find a church home. And so you're just like, gosh, I'm I'm trying to find a, a home church. Again, if that's you, you're not expected to contribute. Uh, you're, you're a guest. One last thing. If, if, if you grew up in the church and you, you felt like an outsider your entire life, let me just tell you, we have a Lord. His name is Jesus. Jesus always made the outsider feel like an insider. And oftentimes he would make the insiders, the churchgoers, the, the religious folks, the Pharisees feel like outsiders. Kind of ironic how that is. But, but, but think at this. So that's for the guests. But the moment that we begin to follow Jesus in the moment that we call a church our home, whether it's Embrace or any other church, we should begin to regularly gather and contribute. At some point, we need to move from being consumers to being contributors. And so I just want to ask a simple question to all of us, myself included, across, across campuses today. If you follow Jesus, if you're a part of a church, I just want to ask, are you a contributor or a consumer? This is a simple question. Are you a contributor or are you a cons consumer? When we, when we gather, when, when you gather, are you looking at what you can take or what you can share? When you, we gather, when you gather specifically, when I gather, how, how, are you looking at how you can be served or how you can participate? Are you looking at what you can consume or what you can contribute? Again, at some point, we have to move from being a consumer to being a contributor. Otherwise, we turn into that college buddy where we used to like, share a dorm room, and now we have families, and that college buddy, he comes and he visits, and you think he's staying for like 24 hours, and six months later, he's still living in your basement, and he's eating all the fruity pebbles, and his underwear are now in the middle of the living room, and you're wondering, and you're praying in the name of Jesus, when will he leave? You know? So that just gets awkward, okay? A consumer asks, what can I get? A contributor asks, how can I help? Consumer asks, what can I take? What can I receive? What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? A contributor asks, how can I help? How can I serve? What need can I fill? Consumer asks, what's in it for me? My comfort, my preference, what I want. Like, why doesn't the church, why doesn't the church ever offer this, a specific group that goes to, through this, my favorite book of the Bible? Like, why don't they ever do that? And yet that same person has never has enough time to ever lead that certain group through that certain book of the Bible. A consumer is always concerned, how is the church spending their money? By the way, you can go to imembrace.com backslash give, and you can find that out. How is the church spending my money, even though that same person has never given a penny? The, the, the consumer is just concerned. Why isn't the church doing more for the world? Like, we have all these needs. Why isn't the church? Why isn't the church? Why isn't the church? But that same person can't remember the last time they served. Amen. The consumer wants to go deeper into God's word. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. But that same person rarely, if ever, ever actually on their own time, digs deeper into the word themselves. Again, are we a consumer or a contributor? This is so important to wrestle with because it's one of the main reasons we gather as a church. This early church had gathered regularly for koinonia, fellowship. And everyone was active. Everyone participated. Everyone shared. They all contributed. Koinonia. Okay, so we need to gather and contribute, but maybe you're wondering, like, what should we actually contribute? Like, what should we, 
what, what do we offer? Like, how do we share? Like, what does this look like? And with this, so often it seems like we're either in one or two camps. We either think we're Jesus himself and we have all these gifts that we don't actually have, or we are, we are convinced that we have no gifts and how could God possibly use me? It's like, Pastor, I'm new to church. I'm so broken. I've been following Jesus, but I feel like I'm still a beginner. If you've ever felt in, inadequate to be used by God, welcome to the club. That's, that's my story as well. Every week I'm like, how God could you possibly do anything through myself? And so what can we contribute? Thankfully, one of the uh, friends of Jesus, a guy named Peter, he answers this specific question and he, and, and he tells us how, how and what can we contribute. Here's what Peter tells us. This is 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 10. Peter says this. Peter says, God has given each of you a gift from his great, his great variety of spiritual gifts. Again, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. That's awesome. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. I love this verse. It's actually my dad's favorite verse. And when I was in seminary, he wrote it on a note card and he sent it, sent it to me in the mail and, and just encouraged me to, to, to memorize it because it's some, such a powerful verse for him. But, but Peter is basically saying every single one of us has a gift. Every single one of us has gifts and our gifts are different than the person next to us. Each of us has given a certain specific set of, of, of gifts, and each of us, are, are, we have different ones. And why were we given these gifts? To serve one another well. These are gifts that we can use and we can contribute to others ultimately so that they can experience the glory of God, ultimately so they can experience the grace found in Jesus' translation. What Peter's trying to say is this, whatever gift you have, use it. Whatever gift you have, it looks different from the next person, whatever gift you have, use it. Whatever it is, use it for his glory. The verse mentions two specific things, teaching and helping, which are awesome. If you got those gifts, use them. But maybe for you, you're, you're great with finances, and you daydream about counting numbers and spreadsheets, which sounds like a terrible <laughs> thing to dream about. It just sounds terrible. I'm sorry. Um, or maybe, unlike me, you're handy and you actually have calluses on your hands instead of them being soft as a baby's rear end like mine are. Um, maybe for you, you're techie, and you love to solve problems where other people get frustrated, you get energized, and you're like, how can I figure out this specific question because I want to know it so badly. Maybe for you, you've got a great smile, and you're passionate about welcoming people. You're just so passionate uh, about seeing people come in and feel it at home. Maybe for you, you're passionate about single moms. Maybe for you, you're passionate about, about marriage. Maybe you're passionate about adoption. Maybe for you, you're passionate about Haiti and going over to Haiti. Maybe you're passionate about seeing people grow in their love for Jesus. It's called discipleship, and you just long to see people become more and more like him. Maybe you're, you're passionate about people who look different or are just different, the oddball, the outsider, and you long to see the outsider feel like an insider like Jesus. Maybe for you, you've got the gift of time. And you know in this season of your life, your schedule is way more flexible than other people. And for some reason, in this season of your life, you just have some extra time. Maybe you're creative. Maybe you love to plan events. Again, Peter tells us, whatever gift we've been given, use it. Whatever it is, use it. Share it. Whatever it is, take it and participate with it. Whatever it is, contribute it. Serve one another so that ultimately people will experience the grace and glory 
of, of God the Father. Again, whatever it is, use it. Whatever it is. Now, just to say it, I'm a person who constantly wants to focus on the world out there. My default is how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus outside these walls? Last week, talking about Haiti, you don't need to nudge me twice uh, to want to be like, we're going to build a school in Haiti? Yes, let's build it as soon as we possibly can. Beck and I, we heard about the opportunity. We gave ourselves to that. It's like, we want to be a part of helping put a school in Madame Pierre because they need a school in Madame Pierre. You don't need to nudge me. Like, man, there's, there's floodings. Some of our towns, our cities, our region are experiencing flooding. This week it was like, gosh, I didn't need to be nudged twice. It's like, man, there's someone who needs a, has a need. My basement is really, really dry right now. Of course, I'm going to go, and I'm going to pack sandbags, and I'm gonna, I even have the marks and scars to prove it on my baby soft hands that are not so soft anymore. <laughs> Again, my default, it, you think serving, when I think serving, I think only out there. Like, my default is like, how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus to a broken world that desperately needs to know him? But for today, um, we're going to focus on what it looks like to focus in here. When we gather, when we have koinonia with each other, this fellowship, and, and what, it, what does it look like for us to participate, to contribute when we're together on Sundays, when youth get together on Wednesday nights, when our groups are meeting throughout the, the rest of the week, what, what does this look like? And, and just to say it again, this is true, not just of embrace, but at any church, any church, any follower of Jesus should be just wrestling with how can we be contributors instead of consumers? And so here's the deal. How, how, how can we contribute? How can you and I contribute? It's really, really deep, and it's hard to understand. When you see a need, fill it. How can we begin to move from being consumers to contributors? When we see a need, fill it. See a need, just begin to fill it. And we can do this two different ways. The first way is the big picture. Each week when you come to church, each week when you're showing up to your, your, your group, each, each week when you're, when you're showing up to youth, if you're a part of youth, actively begin to look for needs. It's like today, who, how can I possibly fill a need? I'm not just going to go through a motion and wait for someone to ask because I kind of like to be asked. No, I'm a contributor. Instead, I'm, I'm constantly looking for ways that I, I can be a blessing to others. You see a person who's hurting, just to give you permission, you don't need to go find a pastor. Instead, come up to the person, shake their hand. If you don't know their name, ask their name. Ask how they're doing and see if you can pray for them. Amen. You show up on a Sunday and there's no one at the door greeting people, that's your cue. I mean, you're a part of embrace, you're a part of a truth. That's, that's like your cue. Jump in, start shaking hands and kissing babies, okay? <laughs> Maybe not the baby's part, you might get slapped, okay? Just to kind of warn you about that. But you see something that's broken and you're handy, stop by later the next week. Network churches, talk with your pastor, talk with your, network, your campus pastor and just say, gosh, I saw someone was broken, I think I can fix it, would you mind if I fixed it? See trash in the parking lot? Pick it up. And... Every week when I'm coming, like, my eyes are just searching for trash. Today, particularly, I had some of the nastiest things in my hands that I've seen in a long time. Don't worry, I wash very, very well. But it's almost like my, my kids, my kids, human beings who are living in our house, will all of a sudden, like, scream at the top of the lungs, Mom, Dad, we're out of toilet paper! <laughs> I, I start praying internally in the name of Jesus, get up and get some toilet paper. Okay? <laughs> Again, when you see a need, fill it. Maybe it's helping someone find a seat. Maybe for you, it's showing up on Sundays expecting God to move. 
when you're worshiping, it's like, I'm going to set my coffee down and I'm going to worship. Why? Because first off, God commands me to. And so whether I feel like worshiping or not, he's so worthy of worshiping. Like I have to sing, I have to worship him again, because he commands me. And hopefully it'll just encourage the person next to me who's maybe new to sing and then worship themselves. Maybe God could somehow like use my singing as terrible as it is to encourage someone else to sing. If during the message something connects with you, give an amen. Last week during Travis's message, there were so many things that I'm like, that is so true of who God is. Why? Because I've seen it in my own life and I can't help but clap. It's like, I'm not clapping for the pastor. I'm not clapping for the worship leader. Instead, what he just said about God, I have to say something because it's been true in my life. I have to. Does something feel off in the parking lot, in the kids area? Start praying. Word, your pastor's losing his mind. Start praying for him too. Again, Peter tells us, whatever gift you have, use it. I can remember getting 1 Peter 4.10 in the mail from my dad. And I was like, I know why he loves this verse, because he lives it out. My dad's a simple man. He, you will never, never, if rarely ever see him on a stage unless I'm able to drag him up here. Instead, he's just a simple man who loves Jesus. Blue-collar guy. Shows up on Sundays, he sees a need, and he tries to fill it. Even to this day, just even this week, he found out someone else has cancer. It was just like, that's his cue. Like, man, they got, that person's got cancer. I got to call him. I got to pray for him. So that's the big picture of seeing a need and filling it. And then the second way is more specific. Just filling specific needs. Get this, every single week to do church as we do it at, at Embrace, it takes 239 volunteers. Every single week throughout the week, 239 volunteers across campuses Volunteers at doors welcoming people, volunteers in the kids area teaching kids about Jesus. Quick side note, this June, we're rolling out a totally different way of doing kids ministry. It's still going to be during each of the services. We're calling it Embrace Academy. It's going to be amazing. As someone who's got kids in that, that demographic, I'm thrilled, not just for our kids, but also for our volunteers. Every week we need tech people and sound people. These are volunteers, people who are just like, man, I, I, I can do some tech things, who are willing and wanting to be trained to help do some things. So we, we need volunteers for worship, people making coffee, people praying. Even throughout the week, we need group leaders, people who are passionate about seeing people connect, people who are passionate about seeing people grow in their love for Jesus. We need youth leaders on on Wednesday nights. People who are passionate about, about students. We need creative folks taking pictures, sharing stories about how God is at work. Again, every Sunday, every week, 239 volunteers. Once more, this is not about embrace. Instead, as, as we gather, it's one of the reasons we gather to have fellowship, this koinonia, to share, to participate, to contribute. And so we know why we should contribute. It's what we do as a part of the church. But just to say it, there's, there's nothing better than being an active part of a church body. It really is. There's nothing better than act, being an active part of a church. I found that it's easy to attend a church for years and still feel like a guest. Easy to, to attend a church for years and still feel like a consumer. And so you never really know anybody, which is great until you're going through a really hard season. 
And so you never really connect, and so it's easy just to kind of jump to another church. And there's the honeymoon phase where the pastor's awesome, and he's got a full head of hair. Hair's overrated, folks, okay? (laughs) So he's got a full head of hair. The kids' area is awesome. And then the honeymoon period wears off. You're not engaged. And so you just kind of like bounce around, and we'll go to the next church, and it's warm, fuzzy for a little bit. But when you truly get plugged in and connected, imperfections and all, there's nothing greater than contributing to a church. It's life-giving. You get to see God change lives. You get to see person after person being reached for Jesus. It's, it's, it's awesome. And so again, we know why we should contribute, but the name of this series is called Ripple Effect. And you see, when we're filling these needs, we're not just checking boxes. Instead, these are simple actions that have a greater, ongoing, eternal result. That's why we're filling them, not just to do what we do, not to go through the motions. Instead, they have a greater ripple effect. Like when we serve coffee, we're not just serving coffee. Listen to this, this week without any promptings, I had, a, I had a young mom tell me, she said, Adam, I'll never forget coming to Embrace for the first time. I got a cup of coffee. At first, I could not believe we could have coffee in church. And it was actually good coffee. And she said, it's weird, but that cup of coffee made me feel so welcomed. And here's the powerful part. When in church, I was used to just feeling guilty. I, a cup of coffee, instead of feeling guilty, I felt welcomed. And she said, now five years later, during the Anxious and Afraid series, I see my cousin, who struggled with years for, for years with anxiety and, and, and depression, coming and seeing God at work in their life. Talk about a ripple effect. And e-kids, we're not just keeping our kids busy for an hour, just for keeping our kids busy for an hour. Instead, we're instilling Jesus into their life. Something that may not necessarily change them right in this moment, but Lord willing, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, Jesus will meet them. They'll remember something that they heard. They'll remember a certain Bible story. They'll open up the Bible and God will meet them in this place. This week, again, I had a grandpa tell me that it was his young granddaughter that invited him to church. She was in the back seat of the car. They drove past the church and the granddaughter said, that's my church, grandpa. What about you? What about you? And he said, well, needless to say, I got my butt to embrace the next week. (laughs) Again, talk about a ripple effect. Welcoming people at the door. We're not just welcoming people at the door for, for, you know, the church is supposed to welcome people at the door. Instead, we're welcoming people who are broken, who are hurting, who are struggling, who are grieving, who are filled with bitterness, with unforgiveness. They're covered in shame. And and Lord willing, they wouldn't just feel welcome. Instead, they'd come and they'd meet Jesus and he'd change everything about them. Once again, we're not just checking boxes. We're not consuming. These are just simple actions that have a greater ongoing eternal result. And today, I just want to to quickly introduce you to a few people, just different people across campuses. This first guy, his name's Pete. Next month, month, Pete turns 80. Uh, Pete attends our St. Croix campus. On any given Sunday, it's actually one of my favorite parts of, of, of attending the St. Croix. On any given Sunday, you'll see Pete at the front door on his scooter welcoming people as they come in, saying goodbye to them as they leave. You can't miss Pete. A couple weeks back, Pete on his Facebook page, I I love that Pete's on Facebook, by the way, (laughs) but Pete on his Facebook page, he talked about the impact that Embrace has had on his life and his, his family's life since they've started coming. And at the very end of his post, he said, and I even get to be a part of the greeting team, even get to be a part of serving. Again, talk about a ripple effect. This next person I want you to meet is Missy. During the week, Missy's, uh, she's awesome. During the week, Missy is a nurse, and she is awesome at that. On weekends, she's a team lead for our first impressions team at 57th Street. 
Two things you'll immediately know about, about Missy when you meet her. First off, she's listening to every word you're saying. Second off, she loves you. Missy sees you hurting, uh, I'm going to bet every single time that she's going to come up to you, ask how you're doing, see if she can pray for you. Talk about a ripple effect. This next person is Jamie. Jamie attends our Sertoma campus. Travis Fink, our campus pastor over there, said Jamie's one of those people who before you even ask, before you have the opportunity to ask about a need being filled, she's already trying to fill it. She's willing to do anything, constantly looking for ways that she can see a need and fill it. She specifically serves in our e-kids area. Why? Because she sees the impact that it's having on all of our kids, including her own as well. Again, talk about a ripple effect. This next person is Blair. Blair's attended our church for years. She, um, most weeks, is serving at the kids' counter out in our T campus. Always kind, always welcoming people, always welcoming kids by their first name. Her lead is Kimberly, Kimberly Gass, and Kimberly said... Um, Blair is one of the most faithful volunteers that we have in our entire church. Honestly, she's like the linchpin of our kids' area. Again, talk about a ripple effect. Lastly, this is Bill and his wife, Stephanie. As we speak, Bill is in the back of the room right here running this camera. To all of you at network churches, all of you at campuses, all of you listening to this later on in the week, this week you can thank Bill for bringing this message to you. I just get to be the talking head. He's the one that actually makes it possible. His wife, Stephanie, I truly believe she could build a house with her own bare hands. Uh, Joanna Gaines has nothing on Stephanie. Um, At all of our campuses right now, we have A-frame signs that hold all the material. Stephanie volunteered and she built all of them, every last one of them all by herself. Again, talk about a ripple effect. I could go through name after name after name after name after name. I could tell you about Jeff. I could tell you about Mark and Stephanie. I could talk to you, tell you about Megan on our worship team. I could talk, talk about Vivian at our St. Croix camp. I mean, I could go name after name after name. We don't do this often enough, but if you've served in the past or if you're currently serving right now at all campuses, can we just put it up and say thank you to everybody who served? It's, uh, it's just this week when I heard the number 239, I was like, that is crazy. And just to think about the amazing ripple effect that's taken place through the years of this church, um, reaching people for Jesus. I I didn't plan on saying this today, but I've oftentimes been jealous of people who don't serve God on a stage. Why? Because Jesus himself talks all the time about the person who does things in the secret, in the secret, in the secret. Those are the people who will be honored before God someday. And... uh, I almost feel like I'm going to be the guy who's mowing lawns on uh, some of you that have, will have mansions in heaven. I'll just be the random Yahoo that Jesus doesn't know the first name of. <laughs> but again, I like, just want to say thank you like as heartfelt as I can. And to close things up this, 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 um, today, this, this past week, um, a couple weeks ago, like seven days ago, I was out on a ranch uh, in Colorado. And picturing me on a ranch is just awkward on every category. So I, I go to this ranch, and it's like a legit horse ranch, okay? They have Wrangler cowboys there. I thought Wranglers were jeans. They're not jeans, folks. They're awesome, studly cowboys, okay? So we get to this ranch in the middle of nowhere, Lost Valley Ranch, and uh, I'm, I can't be more out of my comfort zone. Everything about it just feels awkward, and 
So even once I got there, I still wasn't sure I was going to ride a horse. Some of the other guys weren't going to ride horses either. Last second, I decide, this, you're never going to be hanging out with Wranglers again, okay? Let's just do this cowboy horse thing. So I say yes, <laughs> and I got paired with a, with a horse named Tico, just a handsome fella. And uh, so uh, we, we get there, we get told what to do. One of the cowboys, a guy named Bobby, um, comes out. Just to tell you a little bit about Bobby, Bobby is quite possibly one of the best-looking, handsome human beings I've ever seen in my life, okay? Bobby is a stud, okay? I'm like, okay, I'm now sheepish about my appearance because you are dashingly handsome. The first service, uh, we had a, a single gal in the front row say, can you show us a picture? I don't want to, you know, tempt you to lust, Okay. I'm doing this for your sake. So anyways, Bobby's got more manliness in his right pinky than I do. He comes out and he's like, all right, guys, throw your leg in the stirrup, kick your leg over top of it, and you'll be, you'll be great. Well, just to tell you a little bit more about me, I'm not very flexible. When I, uh, when I say not very flexible, I can't, like, this is as much as I can move, okay? I can't move. So he tells everybody, get, you know, get your leg in the stirrup, kick it over, and you'll be fine, fellas. He's like, fellas, I love you, Bobby. So I motion over to Bobby after every guy is on their host. I'm like, hey, buddy, can you just help me out just a little bit? So I come over, and he, Bobby's like, you know, just kick your, put that leg in the stirrup, kick it over. I'm like, I heard the instructions, Bobby, okay? <laughs> but uh, he's like, um, so just kind of do it. And I'm like, I can't get my leg in this stirrup. And so uh, he looks at me, just kind of like, just did one of these things. Without skipping a meat, this is what Bobby did. Did this. Right here, buddy. Didn't make me feel foolish, even though he could have. Didn't make me, you know, just feel out of my comfort zone even more. Here's this Wrangler stud cowboy. I thought about it this week at Lost Valley Ranch. Bobby is a contributor, not a consumer. I'm a consumer. He's a contributor. Bobby, though, he just, one leg, didn't say anything more. Right up on Tico, buddy. I did get up on Tico, just to let you know. This week, I just started thinking about when we show up to groups on Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, Monday nights, we show up to youth group, we're for a leader, we're a part of this church, we're a part of one of the network churches. How powerful would it be if every single week this is what we did when we showed up on Sundays? Tico, right there. Oh, you feel awkward in church? I can remember the very first time that I came, it was through a hard, hard, horrible season in my life. I mean, let me make you feel welcome. There's coffee over here. The bathroom's over there. There's sanctuary right there. Oh, you're hurting. You're broken. You're restless. Feel like you failed in life. Man, would you mind if I just prayed for you? Young mom, man, you're just trying to juggle 17 kids at once. Looks like you're ready to kill them all. Can I just help take one of those kids off your hand and help you bring them to the kids' area? Because, I, gosh, I remember what it was like when I had kids as well. Are you going through a dry patch in your relationship with Jesus? Maybe questioning some things you haven't questioned in a long, long time. And I'd love to just walk through this season with you. I've been there as well. Man, how, how powerful would it be? Don't make the person feel foolish instead without even asking. It's just like one leg. 
Off this message, thankfully, the action step is not to go buy Wranglers, okay? Or to, yeah. We're a, he had a bandana around his neck. You know he's a real deal cowboy when the bandana and spurs are on. We're not going to ask you to do anything like that. Instead, the action step today is to fill out one of these, a serve card. My challenge is more than serving out a fill card, uh, a serve card to move from being a consumer to a contributor. At all campuses, you should have one of these on your seat. If you just want to pull that out right now, I just want to challenge you in this moment to fill it out. Oftentimes, we have the best intentions and it ends up going, you know, gosh, I didn't get around to it. We just want to give you 30 seconds right now just to fill this out. It's really simple. Just fill your name out. Check the boxes that you apply to you. Um, later on, we'll, we'll connect with you. We'll see where your giftings meet our needs, and we'll get you plugged in. But again, just take a few moments just to fill it out right now. Once again, as the church, one of the main reasons we gather is for koinonia fellowship, to share, to participate, to contribute. All of them gathered together regularly, and they were active. My hope and prayer for all of us, whether it's Embrace, maybe you're in town visiting, you have a church back home, one of the network churches, I pray for every last one of us, that God would move in our lives, and we would move from being consumers to contributors, that God would have a ripple effect in and through our lives that would last for all eternity. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we, we, we love you. We, we lift your name high. God, today we serve because you first served us. We get, your, we get our hands dirty because you got your, your whole body dirty on a cross. God, we, we love only because of the love that you filled us with. Lord, today I pray that you would use us. I pray you would activate us. I pray whether it's outside the church or inside the church that we'd see needs and we begin to fill them, that we wouldn't wait for us to somebody to kind of tap us on the shoulder. We'd see a need and we'd be like, man, that's my cue. I can do something about that. I pray for all of us across campuses, again, that we would move from consumers to contributors. We love you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen.